Welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Bridget Warren, founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood and Mamahood Teas. And I'm Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways and creator of the PCOS Journal. And guys, we are not doctors. We are just two women with PCOS who love reading about it, talking about it, writing about it, basically just oversharing about it. (laughs) So we recommend you find a health practitioner you love to support you on your journey. In the meantime, this podcast is all about how we have gone from hormonal messes to motherhood, the simple changes we've made to improve our PCOS, and the ups and the downs of living with this complex condition. Let's get into it. Hi, guys. Welcome to the PCOS Girls podcast. This is Mel, and I'm here with Bridget. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Today, guys, we're going to talk all about luteinizing hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, a.k.a. the LH to FSH ratio, Mm. which I think is plaguing quite a few people in the PCOS world. I know when I was first diagnosed, that was something that showed up for me. So I've always kind of been in that world a little bit, but I get a lot of people asking me about it and actually requesting that we do an episode on it. So here we are doing that. Here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what's going on with you? Um, Well, I feel like I've turned the corner in terms of my morning sleep, well, all day constant nausea, um, which is (laughs) just like the best feeling in the world. It really is the best feeling in the world. I can't even, it's so weird because you just feel like you can function a bit more normally, which is great. And I ate some food this week. Like I ate food that wasn't a potato or a piece of bread. So (laughs) I went a bit nuts one day. I was literally just like everything I could eat and that was a bit out there, not out there, but like, you know, a bit more exotic and um I was said to Jesse I'm like I shouldn't have eaten that I feel so sick now <laughs> like I was like but I just couldn't stop myself from eating random foods <laughs> oh I bet because not only is would you be craving all those different nutrients oh. but you love food <laughs> I love food and I and I really haven't eaten any like good like you know nutrient dense food for so long but even just like yummy food that has like flavor so I went a bit crazy but I feel like it was all worth it and I haven't thrown up for at least a week so it's all good it's all positive um and I also found a midwife that I'm like locking in (laughs) last time we spoke you were about to meet with her I was about to meet with her I know and we met with her and she ended up being at our house for about two and a half hours and Jesse got to ask all the questions that he wanted to ask her. So did I. She went through everything. She was so lovely. She's from the UK where home births over there are like the norm, basically. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. It's, I found that out when I was pregnant with Flynn, actually, because I had another midwife who was also from the UK. And she – and get this, both my midwives name a Sam. So my midwife that I had with Flynn was called Sam, and her name is Sam too, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, another midwife who wasn't my midwife with Flynn, but she was just part of that midwifery group, she was telling me about how in the UK it's still – like it's becoming less common, but the mainstream and – the like this no taboo around having home births in fact that's actually what they would prefer over there because it takes pressure off the medical system and things like that and all the midwives are trained for home birth and it's like really normal so anyway she's like fully equipped and then came to australia and it was like no longer the norm here but she worked at a home birthing there's one host there's two hospitals in victoria or melbourne that do 
have a public funded home birthing program and she worked at one of them, but she said the issue was that only around 30% of people who went through it actually ended up having a home birth because you have to tick like so many little boxes for it to like end up being one. So she, that's why she ended up going private. So yeah, right. she's now doing private midwifery. And so she's also going to find my sec, the second midwife for me because yes. you have to have two, which is great. So I don't have to do that. And yep. I'm just really excited about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm really excited. This sounds like such a nice time for you. You're coming out of that nausea. You're getting to get really excited about the birth and your little belly oh, I know. Oh my <laughs> honestly the photos that you've been sharing I just have this massive grin on my face because oh. I'm just so excited for you there's a little baby in there I know it's so much more real now and I was just saying to you Mel I'm like I'm at that really annoying well it's not annoying but it is a bit annoying um where I I'm not fitting like jeans or anything like that anymore but I'm definitely like I'm not big enough to go and warrant and buy like all maternity clothes and I really don't want to have to because my theory is, and I had the same with Flynn because he was also a summer baby, was that in the summer when, like, I'm going to be huge, yeah. I just wear flowy clothes or, like, bikinis yeah. or whatever, and it was fine. I didn't buy any maternity clothes really with Flynn except for one yeah. pair of, like, kind of, like, ripped mum jeans or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for this one, I have more of it, a bit more of it is in winter. Oh, hang mm-hmm. on. Maybe, no, maybe just because I'm in Melbourne so it feels colder. I don't know, but I'm sort of like <laughs> I really don't want to – have to buy clothes and only need them for like a month and then not use them again. Uh, not, not, not that I would obviously give them away or donate them or whatever, but it's just sort of annoying to do. So yes, I understand. Just pray for in me. Tights. Yeah, I know. So I'm living in tights and tracksuit pants, and it's great. It's a great life for me. Anyway, I'm not complaining. <laughs> what? And you guys, you? you guys aren't in lockdown at the moment, are you? No, we haven't been in lockdown for a while. And where we are, we're sort of sort of out of it anyway. So we've been okay, but um. <laughs> No, we're not, but I know Sydney has just gone into lockdown yeah. and where we lived in Sydney has gone into a really harsh lockdown. So I'm kind of like, whoa, I'm so glad I'm not there because we were in an apartment, right? So yes. we would have been locked in with Flynn, Jesse working from our um, – this is for a while, this is how we were living. Jesse was working from our kitchen table. We had Flynn and two dogs living in our tiny little apartment um, in the eastern suburbs of Sydney and it was just a wild time. So I, my heart goes out to everyone. I've got so many friends in Sydney at the moment that are in the same situation right now. So I hope everyone is uh, – doing okay and it just got extended to two weeks which really sucks i know i know i've got heaps of family that are all in lockdown now and actually we were supposed to be on a holiday right now in sydney because uh. <laughs> uh, it's school holidays here and we're now at the point with koji and his age where like school holidays are a thing for us now like yeah, we right. travel on school holidays yeah like, what on earth? isn't that so <laughs> weird how like all of a sudden you're so restricted to those two weeks where you can go and do anything weekends are a thing as well like for a long time weekends weren't really a thing for us yeah and now it's like oh no we've only got the weekend spare but I mean he's only in preschool so it's going to get worse but (laughs) yeah um, yeah we were supposed to leave for our holiday last Friday and we'd booked somewhere overnight for on the way to Sydney but otherwise we hadn't booked anything and Obviously, things were heating up, so we were like, oh, I don't know, like, but we still thought we will go to Newcastle, which is the place we'd booked on the way, yeah. and then the next day we'll get up and we'll go just straight through Sydney. We won't stop and we'll go to Canberra, which was the other spot we were going to go. Oh, yeah. To- 
Yep. But then we woke up and Koji was sick and Matt was sick and it was like... You're like, too hard. Yep. (laughs) Meanwhile, we were literally half-packed. Like, we packed all of our clothes. We packed a toy bag. Like, the the car was half-packed. Oh, that's so annoying. I know how much, like, time that takes up as well just to pack I know. And just the anticlimactical experience. Anticlimactical. Is that a word? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like I was making it up with every additional swivel. (laughs) So that sucks. So you're just not going anywhere now? No, not going anywhere. And then we thought we'll go somewhere next week. But then even Canberra is like being a bit like, it's kind of like the rest of New South Wales where we're not in lockdown, but you've got to wear masks everywhere. So many restrictions. Pardon? Just like restrictions. Yeah, just restrictions. And I don't know. I think we'll just. I think we'll just leave it for now. I feel so bad for Koji and Aww. he's sick. He's disappointed we didn't go on the holiday and yeah. I don't know what else, but it's all coming out in aggression. Oh. <laughs> and so it's just like, oh, man, I sort of thought we were through this, but no. we're like way deeply back into it again. But actually he woke up this morning and he's been in a pretty good mood. So That's good. Yeah, I guess because he's at that age as well, like where he understands you were going on a holiday and like now you're not. Yeah. And so yes. it sucks. <laughs> Whereas I'd be like, so we're going on holiday, be like, yay. And then we wouldn't go and he just would never question. He'd never ask me again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. No, we're in a, definitely in a different phase. Like he's been pumped. He's been really pumped. Oh, I feel sorry. Can you just like camp in the backyard or something? <laughs> <laughs> we should, hey. Um, it's so cold here though. I don't yeah. even want to do that. But Fair enough. Yeah, we were going to actually meet seven babies on this trip. Seven Whoa. new babies in our friends and family. Oh, and, my uh, gosh. We don't get to meet any of them. I know. Whoa. And one of them is, like, uh, 10 months old and we haven't been able to see her just because of the various states of COVID yeah. and, you know, timing and everything. So, yeah, I'm pretty – I'm disappointed too because I want to meet all of my little yeah. cousins and nephews and all that. So I'm, like anyway. – what like literally I was just impressed that you have like that many friends like that's like, not like, I, like no, that's not really, but I'm like except like obviously that means you have like five bazillion friends if seven of them have children <laughs> I'm like I whoa insulted or you like if you're impressed for good reasons I mean or, like, I mean like I yeah I mean it was sort of critical in both ways there really take take it as you will but <laughs> oh. <laughs> no 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 I'm just like wow that's a lot of people to have babies that's insane well, okay um half of them are fair Emily, so Aww. I suppose I don't have as many friends as oh. <laughs> no, I will actually say I'm someone who is blessed to have lots of good friends. Like my oh, wedding, I had nine bridesmaids. Oh my, that is like my worst nightmare. I'm sorry, <laughs> that is my worst nightmare. I loved Literally. it. We all walked in together and we were all in white. We were this little posse. I loved it. Oh, that's so great. That, I love that so much. It's really good. I had the opposite. I was like, well, I, okay, I could have gone. I could have gone either way. So it was kind of like. We could have had, we were going to have like six each. That was sort of where we were at at one point. And then it just, because we were in Sydney and like most of our bridal party was going to be in Melbourne. And so we were just like, you know what? Let's just make this easier for ourselves and just have two. So it was kind of like we couldn't have like four though. It was sort of like they were in that next group of, you know, it was like too hard to cull some but not the other, but we could do two. So we ended up having two each and it was just like very low-key and easy and they all just chose what they wanted to wear and it was great. But, yeah, no, I feel like I do get like how fun it would be to have like your tribe of yeah, it's pretty yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny because Maddie, he he sort of just had like two or three that he wanted. It was the same situation. If he invited like another one, 
it was going to be a bunch more. Yes. And so I was like, we'll just have it uneven. It's like, it's not a big deal. Like, oh. it's not like we were having a traditional wedding, like we we're getting married in the bush, yeah, like whatever. Totally. But then I remember he went out to lunch with his friends one day and he came back and he's like, well, I've just asked five more people. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so wild. <laughs> you guys are nuts. Well, I love that for you. As a big thank you for listening to our little podcast and for being a part of our very special PCOS Girls community, we've created a discount code that you guys can use for any of our products. Head to PCOSToWellness.com for Bridget's products or PCOSPathways.com for my products and enter in the code PCOSGirls15 for 15% off. That's PCOSGIRLS15. Love you guys. Okay, here we are, luteinizing hormone. Okay, guys, we're going to start by I'm going to just run through what's going on here, how this these mm. hormones are produced, how they work, why they get out of balance, and it's a lot. So, yeah, I don't know how else to prepare you guys, but even in my <laughs> own research for this, I was like, this is huge. Like yeah. everything's so connected and yeah. it's a big trail of hormones that lead into each other. So just yeah. – sort of bear with us and then I know Bridget's going to go into some ways that you can help to get these hormones back into balance. All right, so it all starts with the HBO axis, the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis, (laughs) which is basically this connection of organs. They really work together in this really balanced way to make procreation possible. So they're these really interconnected organs that produce hormones that all play into each other and they they help us to ovulate and have a healthy endometrium um, that can be ready for implantation. That's kind of a big part of the goal of these organs. So part of that is that the HBO axis is responsible for developing a single dominant follicle each month that's going to be released in ovulation. So the HBO axis, it helps us to ovulate and have a healthy endometrium so that it's ready for implantation. One of the things that the HBO axis does is that it's responsible for developing a single dominant follicle each month that's going to be released in ovulation. And it does this by producing this hormone that I can't pronounce called gonadotropin. <laughs> Do you know how to say it? <laughs> no, and I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I mean, from here on end, it'll be known as GNRH. All I heard was is, gonad when you said yeah, that. Yeah, gonad. It's <laughs> all I read and after that it's just weird syllables. But GNRH is produced by the HBO axis. It's a hormone and it's responsible for releasing follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone from the pituitary gland. <laughs> I know, guys, I know, bear with me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot. Okay, so follicle-stimulating hormone acts on the ovary to help grow and mature follicles. And the follicle that becomes the most dominant follicle that will be released in ovulation um, is the one that basically acquired the most FSH or follicle-stimulating hormone receptors. So growth of that dominant follicle stimulates the production of this key estrogen, which I also don't really know how to say it. Is it it estradiol? Estradiol, yeah. Estradiol, yeah. Okay, so this elevated estrogen signals the FSH production to cease. Once that estradiol's up, it it says, all right, FSH, we've got enough of you, and it triggers a one-time surge of luteinizing hormone, which triggers ovulation. I know it's a lot. I'm sorry, guys. 
So during this follicular phase from your period to ovulation, the follicle-stimulating hormone and the luteinizing hormone, they should be one-to-one. Like their ratio should be pretty equal or maybe the luteinizing hormone could be 1.5 to 1. Throughout that, they're really even until that estrogen says, all right, FSH, you can chill out and luteinizing hormone, you need to go for it now. And then that's when ovulation happens. Great explanation. Is it? It's pretty hard to explain. Do you know what I would recommend is everyone go and look at, there's some great infographics and stuff of the cycle and you can see just as you're about to ovulate that surge of the LH and you can see all the other hormones, but how there's that real surge in LH. And I think it will just give people a bit like people like myself who are a bit more visual. um, It's a really good visual way of seeing, oh, right, that makes sense. So that's when that happens and, and you'll see all the other hormones there as well we you know and what they're doing at that time that's such a good tip such a good point but even what i just said like that's in a normal person yes <laughs> oh yeah right yeah like wait this doesn't happen for us guys yeah <laughs> no for a lot of us it's just not going down that way so in pcos a lot of the time well i don't know if i can say a lot of the time i don't actually know the percentage of women who've got this going on but it's quite it's quite um, common like it's quite common, I hear it a lot from a lot of women, myself included, that the luteinizing hormone is it's too high in the follicular phase where it's meant to just be on par with the the FSH. It's really surging the whole time. You know, it can be two times the FSH or even three times or more. So the higher the LH goes, the more actual androgens that get released. So LH can cause an increase in androgens being released. And then that low FSH impairs the follicle's ability to mature. So I think I kind of missed that, sorry, but the LH is often higher, but FSH is even um, found to be a bit lower in PCOS sometimes. So both of these guys are working against us. This high LH is causing the androgens and the lower FSH is impairing the follicle's ability to mature. So you don't ovulate. And, you know, there's so many of us who aren't ovulating, having long cycles, we don't know why, and this is quite commonly found to be a reason why. So the reason for the increased LH isn't necessarily from the GNRH but from the pituitary gland's sensitivity to GNRH. And this is where it kind of sucks because science is showing it's not really clear. It's not clear why Mm. the pituitary gland would become more sensitive, but it could be elevated estrogen signals and it could be insulin signals they don't really know yeah so all of this is but all of it is leading to heightened androgens and an ovulation yeah the bottom line for me is like oh my god it is just so linked all of it it's yeah. just all so, yeah it's such a delicate little balance and I think it's a real disservice to any patient if a doctor isn't really checking the whole spectrum of hormones here Mm. because when you hear how linked they are, it's like, yeah, okay, it looks like I have PCOS. Don't just test my androgens and my testosterone because, wow, my luteinizing hormone can affect my androgens and my insulin hormone can affect my LH hormone. Like, ugh, it's just so linked. You can get a test of your GnRH to see its levels. They actually inject you with it to see how your LH levels mm, respond, respond, which is interesting. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I saw that one of the signs that your GnRH might be low or high is based on when you got your period, when you hit puberty. Ah, so, interesting. Yeah, 
So if you had a late period or if you're listening to this now and you're a teenager and you're in this, um, if your period sort of came late, later years um, in puberty, then it can show that your GnRH is low. And if you got your period quite early in life, it can show that your GnRH is high. Um, there's this thing called pulsatile GnRH therapy and it can be used to induce ovulation if this is affecting you. But I've, I've had a pretty good Google of this and it's really hard. I think I'd have to just like literally call fertility clinics because it's really hard to see what countries this therapy is available in right. um, and whether PCOS would even qualify you to get the, the therapy. But for people who want to go down that Western medicine route and you've got LH, FSH issues, your GnRH is out of whack, there is a therapy that exists, but you'd have to just speak to some fertility clinics yeah. in the area to find out whether you'd qualify for it and if they even offer it. Yeah, right. Interesting. My, yeah, so my thought at the end of the day with all of this, if you've got insulin resistance and you know that and if you've got heightened androgens or high or low estrogen and you mm. know all of this and your LH, FSH is out of balance, I mean, I hate to say it, but I, I would be trying to tackle all of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you could just one by one do that, but mm. I would be knowing like all of this is in, like it's all interconnected and uh, I, I would be knowing that I, I do need to work on all of it, whether yeah. it's not even all at once, but it's like I've got a, I've got a whole mixed bag of stuff going on yeah. here and working on one of them is probably not going to – at the end of the day, have any kind of long-term effect. It might help you exactly. briefly and a little bit. Yeah, it is really connected. So, And I, I think that that could be daunting, but just write it down, write down all of the issues you're facing yeah. and then find out what you could do to help each of those issues and find a practitioner that will help you through that. Yeah, and I think it's, it is a bit of like <laughs> chicken and egg situation here, like yes. what do you tackle first? And I know like I personally haven't had out-of-balance LH to FSH ratios, but I know you have, Mel. Yeah. But at the end of the day, balancing our hormones, it, it is a balance. So, you know, again, it, it's not like just going in and being like, oh, I'm just going to tackle my testosterone levels. Like, yes, that's a huge part of it, but I still have to have all my other hormones balanced. You know, like that's that's all part of it. So I think what you said was going and getting those tests and just seeing where you're at and then you can write it all down. Hey, get the PCOS journal from Mel and you can write it all down there, track your symptoms. And then that will hopefully, I think like looking into your symptoms as well, will hopefully guide you in the right direction of where to start. And a lot of the things you do for one thing is going to help the other anyway. So keep that in mind too. That is so, so true. And I do think that that symptom tracking is key because if you've got a bunch of hormones out of whack and you've got a bunch of symptoms, if you keep an eye on, you know, if you start to treat one of those hormones and you keep an eye on how your symptoms are changing each day, each week, you'll be able to see maybe what what is linked to what. Like, yeah. oh, okay, like helping my androgens has helped these symptoms, but these other symptoms are still as bad as ever. Like I definitely need to address these other yeah. hormones as well. So true. Yeah. So I know that you've got there some some things that we can do. I do. I do. So as I said, like I haven't personally had any issues with LH to FSH ratios. However, it is really, really common. Um, and so we've done a bit of research into just some things that have 
a little bit of either studies behind it or there's been some research. Again, we've gone down the more natural route, but I, you know, these are just things that you can look into yourself and find out some more information or speak to your health practitioner about and see if they're going to be suitable for you. Um, but I'll just list them off now. And also, Mel, jump in at any point if you want to as well, if there's things that you've tried and had success yeah, with too. Yeah, I will. So the first one is um, licorice and peony root as a combination. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. I'm here. I'm, uh, am I, can you hear me? Sorry, I, you just dropped out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, can you just start that one again? Yeah. <laughs> so the first one that I want to chat about is having the licorice and peony root as a combination. So I don't know if you guys have come across this before. I'm sure you've heard of them individually. But the trick here is to be having them as a combination, so having them together. Basically, the combination of the licorice root and the peony root has been shown to help balance the ratio between LH and FSH ratio. You had said ratio twice then. Uh, but basically, by doing this, you're going to help support healthy follicle development increase your progesterone levels, reduce elevated androgens and balance blood sugar levels and reducing inflammation as well. So really, really important, crucial stuff overall, but at the end of the day, what we're looking at is the LH to FS ratio and it, it can potentially help with that. So definitely something to look into. Again, you need the combination of it. They are herbs that you take. I know a lot of Chinese practitioners will guide you in that direction. Did you yeah. try this one, Mel? I did. This was actually the first medicine I ever took for PCOS. Ooh. Yeah, and I got it from a naturopath. But a naturopath, she, yeah. Like, where she, like, I think I had to order it online. Like, she told me what to get. Right. And the powder that I got was Chinese writing all over it. Like, yeah, it yeah, from yeah. Taiwan. Like, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a Chinese medicine herb and combination. Um, but, yeah, naturopaths are absolutely using it because I think it's it's pretty frontline for LH-FSH ratio. Yeah. And you know what, guys? Like, as much as I just said you want to tackle everything that's going on here all at kind of once or not at once but know that you need to, in the beginning, beginning this is all I did like mm. because in the beginning actually hormone wise this was the only thing for me that was showing to be out of whack I didn't have high androgens I didn't have weird estrogen it was just this LH FSH I don't know what else was feeding in there and I as we just saw it's also connected but you know I don't know this was a long time ago and that's all the information I had from my blood tests and it did work for me, like my in terms of my cycle length. My cycle length absolutely came down to under thirty five mm. days. Yeah, but so it didn't, definitely didn't heal up all of my symptoms of PCOS. Yeah. I guess that's where maybe there was more going on. Yeah, but that was all we were sort of using to address it. But yeah, I'm a big. I I, I like the peony licorice. Definitely one to talk to your practitioner about. Yeah. If this is, what's going on for yeah. you. And I would say, again, it is probably one that you would want to have the recommendation from a practitioner. Absolutely. Um, yep. And they'll guide you in the right direction. Of They'll mm. either have it themselves and be able to do it in the correct ratios for you or they'll guide you as with email to where to buy it and the correct one and making sure it's all quality and all that kind of stuff. So Absolutely. And how much to take. Like, yeah. yeah. This is one that I would never say for people yeah. to just go out go on a and do. People it. actually ask me this one quite a lot, probably because I've said how I've mm. faced this issue before and I'm more they're always like where can you get it and I'm like I don't know from a naturopath yes. from a Chinese medicine doctor like guide them in that direction yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely this episode is brought to you by the PCOS journal the PCOS journal is a health diary I've created for women with PCOS that is all about getting you informed so that you're better equipped to make decisions about your health 
but this is not your normal blank diary. The PCOS journal is filled with tons of easy to read info about PCOS, the triggers, and most importantly, the treatments. There are tips about specific supplements and detailed info about the different treatment pathways from Ayurveda to functional medicine to yoga. It's also filled with detailed charts for you to track everything, your cycle, your symptoms, your habits, meals, exercise, and so, so much more. It's all customizable and it's all specific to PCOS. You can get the journal from my website, pcospathways.com, or if you've got any questions, get in touch. Cool. <laughs> all right. So that one you've had um, success with, which is great to hear. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, the next one is ACV or apple cider vinegar. I love apple cider vinegar. I know there's actually a bit of conflicting information out there at the moment with ACV. I don't know if you've What's come across this, Mel. So just I came across a little something <laughs> the other day, but it was from a really not reputable source, so I ignored okay. it. But what is it? Okay, well, again, this is from, I mean, it's from, I don't know if many of you have heard of or follow the medical medium. Oh, um, that's where I yeah, okay, it. right. So, so again, he, he is just like, you know, a self-proclaimed health wellness guru kind of guy, right? So he's not someone who you would, I mean, I personally wouldn't take what he says for granted, put it that way. But he's sort of come out and saying now that the ACV could potentially be doing more harm. Like it sort of would be rotting your, like sort of, you know, being acidic, it's sort of like rotting your insides, blah, blah, blah. There's been no studies. Like it's all just him sort of saying that, but that I just thought I'd throw it out there because I know somebody be like, have you, because every time I talk about ACV, someone's like, um, link to this post that medical medium has spoken about. So uh, no one else is talking yeah. about it. It is just that one guy, but he has a huge following. And I mean, he's, he's got some great stuff on there as well, but it's also, you know, hearsay and things that he's come up with his own protocols and all that kind of stuff. So have you seen how he comes up with his information? Just out of interest? Um, how he comes up with it? Yeah. Oh, hey, no, he just does his own studies and his own, you know, he's very much, he's a very self-made kind of uh so He guy. actually listens to angels? Okay, cool. All right. Did, you- <laughs> did, did, did know that. I know, clearly don't I follow did, him enough I, to know I, that. I'm honestly, I am such an open person spiritually and everything. So for full transparency on this guy, and he is transparent about yeah, it. Yeah, right. Oh, wow. Yeah, he says, like, I don't – he says that from a very young age he has been able to hear angels speaking to him, telling him information about health. And it all started when he was a kid. He was able to help heal his, like, auntie's lung cancer or something yeah. with the information that he right. had. Um, and so he openly is like, there's no evidence supporting this, that you won't have research on this, mm. um, but I know this as fact. And yeah, so yeah, I mean, I'm someone who like who believes that there would be people out there who were psychic and all of that. Totally. Why not? Like, why wouldn't there be humans who have different abilities? Of course. And maybe he does. Mm. But my one qualm with this guy is how much he is like, this is fact. Mm. It's like, like. Yeah, he's also believe it. And, he's also and said some pretty controversial things about PCOS. So look, I've ca- I love some of the stuff he says, but there's also some stuff in there that I'm like, whoa, you! I don't know where you're even coming up with this stuff. So take it with a grain of salt. Yes, but, <laughs> but this is actually not what we're talking about. I just wanted to throw no. that out there because I knew that somebody's going to be like, look at the medical medium. Um, anyway, so 
Apple cider vinegar, I have talked about apple cider vinegar a fair bit for PCOS in general, because as we know, it can help improve insulin sensitivity um, and your blood sugar levels. It's been thought to help with weight loss. Um, It's thought to help improve ovulatory function and gut health. Uh, But the other thing, which is, I guess, a bit less known, is that it's meant to help decrease the LH to FSH ratio. So that's another one. There There is a study on it. It's tiny. There wasn't a huge effect, but there is something there. So it's a good one to have up your sleeve, particularly if you're already using ACV anyway, or it's something that you've heard of and you're interested in doing. You can just sort of like, I, I've talked about it before. I've put a few things on my Instagram about it. Like you can do a bit of your own research into that. I think it's a pretty harmless one to just be doing and trying. Um, I love to do like, a, you know, some ACV with warm water and some honey, but yeah, each to their own. Again, do your own research into it. Have a look at it. We can link some of, back to some of the studies as well if people are interested in, in that, but that's one. I don't know if you've done ACV for LH to FSH ratios. Well, I've done it a lot, but not for that because yeah. I only really found out about that in the last probably 12 months mm-hmm. that it even has that effect. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, Cool. So the next one I want to talk about is selenium. Now, Mm. you've probably heard selenium being thrown around if you have PCOS because studies have shown that women with PCOS have significantly lower levels of selenium. So it's one of those ones where it's just unfortunate, but, you know, like where you hear a lot of women with PCOS are deficient in this nutrient and that nutrient and that mineral, whatever. Selenium is one of those. Now, the reason that that is a big issue is that low levels of selenium have been shown to be, to correlate with increased luteinizing hormone and testosterone levels. So that's where we've got too much of it, you know, where it's too high and we want to get it lower. So basically making sure you're getting enough selenium, selenium rich foods, you can supplement, but that's going to help to improve insulin metabolism as well and is a really really powerful inflammatory it's going to help it with your mood depression anxiety and it's also really important for healthy thyroid and a lot of people have thyroid issues as well it does seem to go hand in hand sometimes with pcos so another one to look into again really easy just to up foods that are high in selenium or get it tested and see you know get it checked or get a supplement whatever it is but another one to look at there yeah did you go down that route? Again, like I, I think the only thing I've ever done for LH FSH is the peony licorice, but right. selenium's been really important for me, especially when I had that iodine deficiency. Yeah, um, just because it's also connected to the thyroid. Um, but I've uh, there was a time where I took a pill for it, but yeah. then no, I've just been doing the two Brazil nuts a day. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say everyone just <laughs> yeah. get you two Brazil nuts a day and you should be yeah. good to go. It, that is literally like this. It's so, the Brazil nuts are so high in selenium mm-hmm. and some beans and nuts as well. If you eat meat, like it's going to be in a lot of things like beef and chicken and fish and shellfish and eggs and all that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, it's, but again, like the Brazil nuts, what an easy way to get your selenium in. Yeah. <laughs> so easy. I've got Maddie onto it too. Oh, <laughs> great for prostate health. Great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, next one, myo-inositol. I'm sure a lot of you have heard myo-inositol being thrown around before in the PCOS world. It's very, uh, I feel like it's on trend. 
Yeah, and has been for ages. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, there's there's good reason for it as well. Yes. You know, my inositol has been found to significantly lower the F, um, LH to FSH ratio after just eight weeks. So we know that it actually wow. works. What we really want to be getting there is the combination of the ratio between the myo-inositol and d inositol So the two different types of inositol. Mm-hmm. What we want is a 40 to 1 ratio. So the myo-inositol would be the 40 and the d inositol is going to be at the one ratio. So that's where you probably heard things like Avacitol being thrown around or there's a few different ones, but I think Avacitol is kind of like the most well-known one because it has the two ratios for you. So you, you know, a lot of supplements will just have the myo-inositol in it. And I think what they've seen the biggest response from is when you've got this combination of the two. So I actually tried to take Obacetol when I was looking, when I was in my really deep stages of PCOS and I found it so hard to find here in Australia. It is. Yeah. And expensive. I ended up having ordering it in from the States and then I ordered it once and never ordered it again because I don't really think for me it was um, a big player, but I know a lot of people swear by it. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually looked into this pretty deeply about, I don't know when, maybe late last year Mm. because I was like it needs to be in Australia or, you know, there needs to be a brand in Australia, but all the Australian brands were just the Mayo. Yeah. So um, And so – I looked into it and I like I looked pretty deeply and it turns out that having in Australia the D chironositol and the myonositol like they're not approved for use together. Oh. And so you actually yeah actually from memory I don't even it might be that the D chiro isn't even approved for use at all in Australia. Wow. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember that. And so basically I was like, oh, well, maybe I can try and get it approved for you. So it was just thousands and thousands and thousands Yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh, right? (laughs) That's crazy. But it was a shame because I put the call out on Instagram about, does anybody know where I can Mm. get this in Australia? And there were so many people who wanted it. And I still get that. I got a message like two days ago being like, oh, did you end up finding anything? Like, (laughs) we really want it here, but you just can't unless you go through this process. Interesting. I've been asked a lot about it too, and I kind of just tap out and say, I I ordered it once on a US. website and I never did it again but yeah interesting but I mean there it it, you know it's been shown to decrease androgens improve insulin resistance regulate your cycle improve egg quality and ovarian function and reduce the risk of gestational diabetes as well so like there's a lot in there and it clearly is doing something yeah we're obviously not going to recommend anything unless it's approved here so (laughs) just go and do your research but um yes but yeah (laughs) it's you know a very well-known one in the PCOS community oh and for the record just saying it's not approved here doesn't mean that it's been like unapproved yes. like it just hasn't been brought here no one's gone through no the process yeah, yeah exactly yeah and it's expensive uh, that's why it's so expensive and i don't have that kind of money no, <laughs> maybe enough. we should crowdfund it yeah <laughs> the PCOS community in australia we can all put in a dollar that's so funny but as you know i personally didn't get any results from it so it's sort of hard to know i think it really can work really well for people who have a lot of insulin issues like i think that's where you see a lot of people having good results but who knows like each to their own and different things work for different people so it's definitely one to look into okay these are a few other little ones what they've got two more so the next one i had was Mm omega-3s so omega-3 fatty acids they're your good fats they're the ones that we want to get in our diet from really good sources whether it's like a fish sauce or nuts or avocado whatever it is they're just basically there isn't much around this but what we do know is obviously fats are really important element in 
any diet, but particularly for women who have PCOS, we need those good fats. They also, the good fats help to lower inflammation and also can help lower testosterone levels. And they also have been shown to lower LH levels. So something to look into. And again, a really easy one to just add some better good fats into your diet. Like so, so easy to do Mm -hmm. and get rid of all those nasty fats that we don't want in there if possible. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. Yeah, super easy. And then next one's another really easy one, which is basically just making sure you're getting adequate exercise we know Mm. that exercise in general has been seen to help um, improve pcos symptoms and we're we're looking here at you know cortisol conscious types exercise i'm not saying go out Mm -hmm. and smash yourself at the gym or go and run a marathon or anything like that like it's it's having those regular consistent low to moderate levels of exercise um frequently and and things that you love and enjoy and they, it, it's basically shown to help improve many elements of PCOS, but one of the lesser known benefits is it also been shown to help uh, reduce levels of lute- uh, lower levels of luteinizing hormones. So Amazing. another really easy one you can just add into your daily lifestyle. And there was one study I found on this, and basically it was over a six-week period and the people who were doing or doing it six days a week. And it's not... Like, I know that sounds like a lot, but it's not really if it's like you're going to do a half hour walk or you're going to do some Mm -hmm. yoga or you're going to do some gentle exercise or you're going to go for a hike or a swim or whatever, you know, like Mm -hmm. when you think about it like that, you can kind of just, it's all those incidental exercises that you can just add into your day as well. So just keeping your body moving, getting your energy and your blood flowing can be really beneficial as well. Totally. I think that's such a good shift. Like, I'm even finding myself being like, I almost don't even want to use the word exercise. It's just body movement. Like just having your body move. Like it makes sense that your, your arm by your side, like get some, I think it is all about that blood flow, getting that blood flow to just every single part of your body. I think it's a really nice way to think about it. You can just do things like I do, which people find so annoying, but like I park my car like the furthest away from wherever I'm going or I'll go to like a multi-level car park and park at the top and like take the stairs like that kind of stuff is just really easy ways to add some more exercise into your day I guess the bottom line here guys is there are things we can do it is a lesson talked about hormone imbalance I think but there I mean Bridget just listed off like you know six or seven different things that we can do to approach it so all is not lost there is lots of hope and there are lots of options for us that you can talk to your health practitioner about and I just really hope this has been helpful for the women who have requested this episode (laughs) and hopefully not too boring yes (laughs) 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 we were saying at the start that it felt like it might be a bit of a dry one but um it is what it is (laughs) Yeah, and could be so beneficial if this is something you're struggling with. So hopefully it's helpful. If not, uh, (laughs) sorry, we wasted uh, 40 minutes of your time. Oh dear. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. As always, please come join us in our Facebook group, the PCOS Girls Podcast Community. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. I feel like we never say that, and I hear other podcasts <laughs> all the time. Uh, <laughs> and have a great week. Yeah, just be like all round awesome people. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.